Welcome everybody to another episode of Studio Insights with Bell Vista Studios. We're an e-learning and instructional design studio and these conversations are basically the opportunity for us, being Hannah, Victoria and myself, Kim, to learn from each other something that we appreciate or we recognize in the other people that we want to improve in ourselves. So we ask questions and hopefully then go and apply and be better human beings or practitioners. So welcome to this conversation that we're about to have. Don't know where it's gonna go. Actually, I know where it's gonna go because I'm asking the first question. And it is a follow-on from our conversation last week, which was, um, da, 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 da. we're talking about learning, how we learn, and the video is like the goals. What is it? How to achieve your work goals. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So, um, we had a conversation around learning and it being, I said my process was like motivation and goal to experimentation, to reflection and implementation. And then we discussed around those steps and when you're planning tasks as well, Hannah had a, a resource that she's developed and now we're using within the team, which is around the task, the goal, the problem that you're trying to solve, and then itemizing each action you need to take to achieve that task, overarching task, the goal and the problem. And then like any assumptions and any consequences or risks that come up as a result of any of the tasks that you identify. And we talked about having those tasks and breaking them down to tiny things that you can just focus on one at a time to improve the quality of your work. So that's a summary of the video. If you want to go into detail, go watch that video. But my question is because where we were at was applying that plan to our work in the last week. And I know Victoria, you used Hannah's template to apply, to plan a task. And at that time you then went into experimentation and now I would like you to reflect on, did the plan work? Was it beneficial? Because you're kind of summarizing everything we spoke about last week. So I'd love to get your perspective on how you benefited or didn't benefit or was it valuable? What tips do you have? Share with us your experimentation and reflect live here now, please. <laughs> um, yeah, overall, I did find it really useful. Um, so we kind of worked through it together on a project we're doing and it was basically developing a scenario for a client. Um, so I think it really helped because we, before I even got into, like normally if you'd say go develop a scenario, I just get straight into storyline and like start trying to map things out and like think of ideas. Um, but yeah, it helped me like really break down the whole process first, um, come up with criteria for what we want the scenario to actually do, like how we want it to look, what kind of um, word, like, el like the elements, elements that we wanted in it, like sound effects, yeah. um, motion pass and that kind of thing. Um, so coming up with all of that first um, and also like really breaking down what the goal of the scenario was, because I find, well, this made me realise actually, um, Usually when I do get tasks, I'm very like task focused. So for me, when I think of the end goal, the end goal is like getting the task done. So developing the scenario, mm -hmm. but instead I need to look at what like the overall goal is that we want the task to actually achieve and like how that fits into the whole 
project. Um, so that was just really useful because it helped me think when I was trying to like achieve each uh, part of the task. So like doing the brainstorming, looking at what we already had, looking for new ideas, coming up with the criteria, like all of that, comparing that back to the actual goal instead of seeing how it fit into the actual output, which is the scenario. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, I realized that wasn't something I usually thought about, which it seems simple now that I think about it. But yeah, before I was very much just like at the top, whatever the task is, that's the goal, not mm. um, what we want that task to actually do. Mm. Yeah. Can you give an example of what the, t just to help people understand the difference between task and goal? Yeah. Um, scenario. Yeah. I can tell you the exact. Elevator music plays. <laughs> I was like, do, 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 do. say a funny joke, Kim. <laughs> Funny joke, Kim. So basically the task was develop a scenario in articulate storyline. Um, mm -hmm. The goal, we had three goals overall. And so this is basically what we wanted that scenario to do. So the first goal was we wanted clear expectations from the client on the look and feel through the review process. So basically we want whatever we develop, we want the client to understand that's pretty much what the rest, like it's setting the tone for the rest of the module. So they know exactly what to expect from us when we develop all the other scenarios. Mm -hmm. I come back and review and say, like, we don't like that or we don't like that when we've already applied it to yeah. the whole module. Um, another goal we had was that we wanted it to be a working scenario that enables us to figure out the tasks required and the time it will take for the other scenarios. Mm -hmm. So we want to, wanted to use this as like a baseline for if it takes this long for like the base screen this long for feedback screens that gives us an idea for the rest of the project so we can actually like schedule it all schedule it all in and plan it properly um, and also to set the expectation for the minimum level of scenario so we wanted to show the client like this is the standard basically you can expect from us like this is we're going to have music we're going to have like cool things moving around, we're going to have images like this, like just really set the tone for them so they know exactly what our plan is basically. Yeah. But yeah, I've never really broken it down that specifically because all of that obviously comes together <laughs> as a scenario. But yeah, I've always just focused, just like focused on the develop the scenario part. I haven't necessarily considered like that's what we want the scenario mm. to do. And that's why we're doing the task. Um, so I think having those goals set really just helped me throughout the process. Like every time I did one of the tasks, so one of the tasks would be, there was a lot in it in the end, but like the first one on the list was review the existing look and feel. And then under that, I've got like 10 dot points of things to go through um, from when we did review it of like little adjustments we wanted to make. Um, so like changing buttons or changing colors or replacing images or things like that. All of that was part of, that one review task. But then when I'm actually completing those, I want to check it against the goal and just see like, am, are these changes actually achieving all of those goals that we've set? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I just found it useful as like, the goals for me were like a second checklist that I wouldn't usually have. Usually I would just have like the actual task mm -hmm. checklist, but I guess I wasn't always checking back in like, is this, going where I want it to go and is this like achieving what I set out to achieve or am I getting like distracted kind of thing along the way where I'm 
thinking, oh, this would look cool, or this would look cool, but not actually thinking, like, is that going to work for the whole project and is that going to get us from, like, where we are to where we want to be kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hope that answered your question about, like, the goals and the tasks. Yeah, definitely. That's really clear. Thank you. Um, what specific change in behaviour in yourself do you see? Because that came from um, the last time you described, you know, we, we brainstormed together this idea for a scenario and then you're on board and you know what you're doing, then you go to do it and you're kind of like, eh. and then, yeah. so this time, um, <laughs> the eh means like, you get stunted basically is what you <laughs> described it last time. Um, but then this time, so you planned the task and then what, how did it go for you? What was different between the results that you achieved the previous time you got stuck this time? What result did you achieve? Uh, I think it is just the fact that having a plan for me is like having a written out process basically. Whereas before it's just me in my head going like, oh, I need to do this, but not actually like, how do I actually do that? Whereas this kind of breaks it down step by step. So once you get through all the steps, if there's still something like missing or lacking or whatever, it's like looking back at the goals, looking back at the criteria we had to say where, what do I need to improve? Mm. Instead of being my head like, I don't know where to start or getting to a certain point saying, I don't know what's next. Because it's just like with this list, you can just kind of keep going through from start to finish, keep going back through the goals, seeing, checking back in on like every... Mm -hmm. change if it works and if you're happy with it um so there's always like something to go back to i don't get to a point where i'm like well i don't know what's next because i just start you just kind of start again and check it like work back against your goals yeah, yeah cool so i guess it sounds like on reflection the the stuff we were talking about yesterday and you putting it into practice is beneficial and people yeah. at home should do it too. Take the time to plan and have your checklists. Yeah. And even if you think it's simple, because when we were, when you were first kind of like coaching me through the template, you'd say like, you said, what do we, what would we normally do next? And in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, normally if we're like, if I've done a design and you want to give feedback or we want to make some changes, um, I think like, oh yeah, we open the file, we both look at it, we might go on Google and look for inspiration. Like I know that process, but actually writing it down, we did kind of end up with some different outputs from it. Like it wasn't just those things that we do, which I think is easy to forget when you think it's like a habit you already have. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. Nice, thank you. No worries. <laughs> Who would like to ask a question now? Oh, you can go next. Go next. <laughs> I've been babbling for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, my question's for Kim. And it was a conversation that I had with someone else in the industry. And I thought it was really interesting because I was trying to brainstorm how to solve the problem. And then I thought, mm. I feel like you would have insight that I'd love to learn. Okay. Um, how do you think you transform an organization into a learning organization? Um, what does a learning organization look like? So it's an organization where part of their culture is to learn and they prioritize learning and improving themselves to contribute to the goals. So if you think about an organization that isn't a learning organization, they wouldn't put time aside to learn new things. They wouldn't 
prioritize it, they'd just be like in the grind all the time and they wouldn't be sharpening the saw as that some people say. Um, so if you were faced with an organization that didn't have that learning culture where they didn't prioritize learning and it was something that they needed to have to be successful, how, what actions would you take to transform that organization into a learning organization and to create a culture of learning? Um, I think for me, there'd be two uh, approaches. Mm -hmm. One is a, an email from the CEO that comes out to everyone and basically says, you are all allocated one hour of learning per week paid as part of your role. So it is just clearly outlined. And the criteria that would go into that is you have one hour to learn. These are the things we're trying to achieve. Well, I'm just picking one hour as a minimum. Maybe they want to do that, like whatever that time looks like. But I think one hour as a minimum is a great start, enough for someone to get a taste and to experiment and maybe continue it the following week. But with clearly defined goals for that person to decide what they should learn so for example it would say here's our strategic objectives as an organization we would love you to learn something that will help us as an organization achieve them your and share why you're on the ground you're working through this you might see inefficiencies all this kind of stuff so we would love you to use this time to help us be better and your learning continue it or experiment with something different each day. We encourage you to put it into practice, to make recommendations. Maybe there's a place that you can go for recommendations. We probably need to, in the same email, say, you know, tell your team if you've found an improvement or something that's going to help them be better, tell them, tell your boss. Um, if there's something bigger or that impacts more or impacts something, maybe there's an inbox that it gets set into, like a, um, that, people can then have is like a, a list of priorities for where they start to, yeah, maybe like 10 people have said this or a thousand people have said this, sounds like we need to prioritize that. So giving people the opportunity and that's just a very quick, the CEO makes a decision that one hour is able to do that. And that CEO has to be switched on to go, it's not lost money by an hour because there's so many benefits, right? There's improved engagement, improved morale, um, improved return on investment on that time, even if it costs them millions of dollars, it's still actually going to be a better return in the value of spending that money. So that would be the first thing I'd say. And then if they're really serious about it, it just comes down to leadership, really. Um, and so this is a long-term culture change. So that's the quick someone makes a decision. Now you might be the CEO or you might just be a supervisor within thousands of employees. Mm. And if you are listening or the person that's trying to influence this is just saying, let's just focus on the people that are going to uptake this. So there might be, just say there's a hundred teams within an organization and whoever this person is, the change consultant or whatever, just goes, look, these are some suggestions that email 
send it to your team because if that one team is doing it amazing and over time that word will spread and another team will do it but the first thing is always focusing i believe on if you think about they say i don't know where this data is coming from but i remember focusing on it years ago is if a third of your organization are cool go-getters they're on board they believe in the mission all that sort of stuff they're going to pick an email up like that with like yeah i'm going to allow one hour hello because they waste an hour like farting around talking about their weekend and all that stuff when they're disengaged and they're tired and that so <laughs> pick that time when your teams are tired and just go you have an hour to learn and then their engagement is higher anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have supervisors or people in there that when they hear that we can do this, sweet, I'm putting it into practice. There's going to be a third that don't get it and don't do it. Who cares at this point? And then there's the third in the middle that might sway and they might not do it first, but when they hear other leaders are doing it, then they'll go, maybe I'll do it too. And so that good engaged employee group grows. So the impact is there and that's how you can do it as a quick, let's just do this and allow, give permission for that to happen. And then the long-term game in my belief is that you need people to develop leadership skills because then they would get it and they would do it anyway. So what that looks like is helping people have performance conversations, um, delegating those kind of, it's basically communication I think is the important thing to get those things happening at the foundational level of supervisors, then you look at helping them become leaders. So you expose them to audiobooks. just create a library as a simple thing, books, audiobooks, um, a lynda.com or whatever, like license that people can use so that that proactive group, they take it up. Um, and then they, what happens is when you create leaders, this stuff happens automatically, but the change takes years to infiltrate through the organization. So you've got to focus on developing. And the reason you focus on supervisors, anyone that supervises one or more people is because if you focus on that one individual, they have an impact on a group. Like if I'm being better, I'm going to talk to you guys and you're going to be better. Yeah. Rather yeah. than trying, so you could do supervisor cohorts, you know, and develop them and have a bigger impact because they are the role models for a group of people that sit under, as opposed to putting every employee through it. Yeah. And then you might look at like, there will be employees that aren't supervisors that are called like high performers or high potentials. And maybe you might target them because mm -hmm. they will help you as well. So I guess that's what I would do. That's awesome. so maybe the first thing is, yeah, just give permission for people yeah. to have time and just the whoever sends that permission needs to demonstrate the value. Do you have these challenges in your team? Do you want to overcome them and reap these benefits? We recommend you allocate learning time. Learning looks like this and this is, and in it, you should allow people to experiment, reflect and improve. Yeah. And see what happens and just allow that to happen. Maybe you don't need to just let that play out in the organization and then adjust because that's your user testing. You don't know what's going to come from that if it is adopted, but allow it to play out for a couple of months. And then this person who is running this initiative to go in and check in, speak to people and then evolve from there. 
Nice. Awesome. Thank you. I have a follow-up question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was listening. Um, I'm just wondering, because I know it is something that we talk about in our industry that doesn't always happen. And I'm wondering, have you thought or discovered a way to measure, like have metrics for return on investment so CEOs feel comfortable to invest that time? Do you think there's a way to achieve that where you can actually get measurable results that that learning achieves? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's indirect. Um, I would say a lot of people would say it's indirect. So because, well, actually it just comes down to what does a business care about? Mm -hmm. Profit, minimal turnover, less sick leave. Um, yeah, maybe productivity levels if they're measuring that. But the, the things that they would be measuring is profit. And there's a difference between revenue and profit. So what is the profit? What is the turnover? And what is the sick leave? So if you just measured those three things and those two around the humans, the um, sick leave and the uh, turnover, that's a, that's a representation of anything such as employee engagement, morale, motivation, loyalty to the organization. Uh, are that people being paid enough in that organization or will they get paid at a competitor? So it, re it reflects a few things, but if you just focused on those things, for example, um, and over time you go from, say, we use my example of send an email with permission to learn this, is what it looks like. From that day, take those measurements. And then in three months, take them again and see if things like your profits um, and your engage or oh, sorry your turnover and your sick leave have reduced or increased and that adjustment if that's the only thing you've changed then you know that that's the trigger and what other things have changed throughout the organization that might be contributing to those measurements yeah that would be the impact that i'd be focused on to begin with okay so it's almost like if you were speaking to a ceo and you were the l d department mm -hmm. you'd be wanting to understand from them what's important to the business so what would they like to improve? And then you'd be connecting the learning initiatives or learning solutions to help improve that specific thing that's important to them or specific things. Mm -hmm. Starting the learning process. So putting something into place, whether it's an hour a week or they have to check in with their supervisor and do something and then experimenting with that process to see if it impacts that goal that the CEO said was important to the business. Yeah, I think so. I'm By paraphrasing just it. Sure I completely understand. Yeah. Okay. So if I simplify what I was saying, which might be the same, but I, I kind of need to say yeah, that. No, that's okay. Um, is so we're trying to influence the CEO to understand what we're going to do as an L and D team. Yeah, so this is like another element of it. So it's like we want metrics, but this is like the CEO, you're an L&D department and you're speaking to the CEO and they're like, I'm not going to prioritize learning because I can't see how it's going to have any return on investment. Yeah. I don't want to spend the money on it. But as an L&D person, you know that learning will have a great impact on the organization. So to get their buy-in, to be able to run the initiative that you think will have an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, the first thing is if they, they don't get learning, then that's not, you have to change your language. So, um, 
they don't care about learning. If we go back to motivation, their goal is not to allow people to learn. Their goal is to increase shareholders, something, increase profits, um, reduce X, Y, Z, cut time, increase productivity. So they care about that. So you can't go in with learning language. You need to go yeah. in with, do you want to achieve? So what did they care about? If we think about the persona of someone um, mm. to be able to speak their language. And yeah. if you go in and say, look, we have a plan. Okay. So you've identified before you go into the meeting, what they care about. Yeah. So, Hey CEO, um, we have a plan. We know that we're trying to achieve X, Y, Z strategic plan, for example. Yeah. And we have a plan to achieve the things that you've pre-identified, um, less turnover or more sales, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take us three months and whatever I would be vague and I'd go like, just ask for permission. If you even need to have that conversation, I don't know if you, I just think you could go do it without having the conversation yeah. and then come to them at the end with the results and go, look, we did this as a team Yeah. and this is the results we got. Now we want to formalize this. Um, do you accept but if you're going in there because you have to, but it, it doesn't, I don't know. I'd have to see it'd be circumstantial because what's playing through my mind is, you know, an L and D team has a budget. So is the L and D team's budget allocated and it's vague at that allocation, it's leadership development, it's communication, it's training, it's um, succession planning, it's workforce planning. So is the budget allocation only labeled there? that allows you the freedom to go do something like you're learning, which is actually bigger than that, without anyone knowing, get your metrics and then go do. Yeah. And then at the end, come back and say, this is what we've been running. And these are the results we're getting. We want more budget to do that. Or we want to, we want your public support to endorse this, to make it even bigger than it was through our pilot. Yeah. Um, would be the first way to do it if you have a CEO that doesn't get what you're trying to do. Yeah. If you're trying to do it, you need to speak their language. So yes, we got strategic objectives. We have an initiative and they're busy. They don't need the details. They just want to know that you're going to get results. Mm -hmm. So we have an initiative that's going to help us achieve results as a business. Um, we already have the budget approved and we, or, this is the time frame we're going to do. Are you going to allow us to experiment? Yeah, experiment, I think, is the right language. To experiment, pilot this, and we'll report back, and then we'll adjust based on your advice moving forward. Um, and with that kind of vague level, because you know what those meetings are about, is like they're 15 minutes with a CEO that's got a million priorities, so they don't need the details, so they don't need to know we're going to give people an hour of learning every week. Like, yeah we're going to get results for you. And these are the results that we are aiming to get as yeah. per our expertise in the business L and D. Yeah. So trust us to do our expertise that you pay us and delegate our responsibility in this area. Just yeah. like we trust you to do your thing as a CEO. Yeah. Love it. And I really like the experiment using that language that it's an experiment. Cause I feel like you wouldn't want to break trust by saying, 
we're definitely going to get these results. And if you're just trialing something new and you don't get the results, like that's mm. going to be not a great situation to be in. So I really like that language of experiment pilot, and then we'll like check back in with you and adjust depending yeah. on what happened. Yeah. That was really good. Thank you so much, Kim. That was very insightful. That's all right. What ideas did you have using the other person in the industry? What? So I had the hour. Of my, that's one person's perspective and it's based yeah. off my um, experience in an organizational development team and then us working with clients and what we hear across multiple industries and working on multiple projects. They're all facing the same thing. So yeah. this is not yeah. one unique problem, but it, that's one perspective on my observation. So I'd love to know what you were chatting about. Um, so like the hour of learning was something that did come up. So we spoke about that. Um, we spoke about like leadership being involved. So it was similar to what you said. So I think it's important for supervisors to encourage their staff. And I think they're like the person that's closest to that staff member. So they're most likely to have the, um, I don't know what the word is, but be more likely to encourage them to learn and like take action and not skip yeah. their learning time during the week. Yeah. Um, something else was like, I think teaching others. So like talking about what you've learned is really important. So whether that's like a team meeting where everyone, and it's like what we do in studio insights. So I feel like it mm -hmm. our learning talking about it. So just creating a culture where either in catch ups, so supervisors encouraging their learn or their staff to speak about what they've learned and teach them. Yeah. Um, and also to have like a component within a meeting where people talk about what they've learned. So yeah. just creating that, um, momentum. Um, the other thing was we did talk about as well, the focusing on the people that do actually want to learn. So holding events where it's like, we're going to have this event where we learn all these different things and we have dinner together. So like involving like social and making it a bit fun, but mm. not making it compulsory. So saying like, if you're interested, like come along and just focusing on those people and then they will like have a ripple effect on the rest of the organization. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but Vic, Vic did you have anything that? you think works in organizations or did you want to add anything? No, I don't think so. Thank you guys. <laughs> I think that has to be that, like if we think about our own learning, which was a conversation last time and yeah. In yeah. earlier this morning is, or sorry, earlier in this like video, is the goal and the motivation has to be there for the individual. Mm. So yeah. yes, you're right focus on the people that want to and just just do it for them for now um, because it's an uphill battle to convince others or to um, convince the unconvincible so how can you tap into the motivation of the people and that's where you'd be doing a persona so if we think about it, a worker in an organization that doesn't value learning at the moment it is likely and I'm making a very big generalization, but you just do a persona for whoever's watching in your organization, multiple personas as well. But if they don't value learning, it's easily identifiable to link the culture of the organization to um, workers that just care about their basic needs. If we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is security, secure job, and the pay rate. Mm. so what you need to do is find those people that are self-actualized and hire 
and look at their motivation for things such as career progression. Um, like maybe they want to become a team leader or a supervisor in the future. Maybe they want a pay, a pay rise or a, no, sorry, not a pay rise, a promotion. Mm. But we need to identify the difference between someone that is just turning up for their job and going home and doesn't care mm. versus the motivations behind someone like if I think about us that are like we're curious ourselves we want to learn we spend time outside of work learning different things that will help us be better so what is the motivation that is a point of difference for those individuals and how can we leverage that to get the impact that we want as a starting point for that momentum yeah nice that's interesting we actually we did speak about the different types of learners to consider so there's like, like what you're saying, there's people or staff or employees who want to have career progression, they want to get promotions, they want to keep working their way up to like higher positions. And then there's people who want to get better at the job that they do. So they're super passionate about their specific role and they just want to keep getting better and do the best possible job in their role. Yeah. And then there's people who just show up for work, leave right on time and they're just there to earn money. So I think it's interesting yeah. to see the different categories of staff members and employees and how you could potentially motivate them yeah and i think it's important to consider and all of them are still um worthy human beings oh, yeah. and it's okay wherever they're at but that deciding it's that ease versus impact when you've identified your group of employees the different groups which ones do you want to focus on will you want to focus on the ones that are going to get they're easiest to impact because they're curious they care they're loyal they want to contribute they want to be better um and going from there and not worrying about anyone else until you've got them serving you're serving their needs yeah yeah i love i love that focusing on the people who actually want to change that's something that you taught me and i think that's really powerful because mm. you just end up <laughs> often you can just go around in circles trying to motivate people or get people to do something different if they're not interested in doing it and it's not something they want out of life. So mm. ah, that was awesome. Thank you. Very I'm good. What about that stuff in a long time? Yeah. I love that sort of thing. It is very interesting. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Vic. Thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're leading in the, in the stalls. <laughs> Vic, what's um, your question, girl? Or, yeah, for Kim, but potentially can get Hannah's perspective on it as well. Um, it's a completely different topic to what we were just talking about, but okay, um, hold on, I'm just woo, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the new one. Um, so I just want to know if you think it's important to have like finalized content from clients before we develop anything, whether it's storyline or, or any literally like learning solution, should we have everything 100% from the client first or can you kind of like make do until they know exactly what they want? This answer is going to be useful for me too. So thanks Vic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the level of final. So is it 10% is going to change? Is it 50% that's going to change? Mm. So it's 10%. Just let it like things change you can adapt to that if it's 50% that's probably a lot of rework on our end 
So I wouldn't, even if it went, actually, I'd probably say 15 would be my personal limit that I'd be allowing that flexibility space, 15%. Anything over that, I'm waiting because it's going to be too much rework. Um, the client is unclear. Um, and it's not that they're unclear, but they're just um, early on in the process of where they need to be for where we're going to do whatever it is for us. So that would be my recommendation. Um, and I guess it also what falls back on that is how clearly you, you have communicated your expectations around approved content and what is a variation to scope. Mm. So for example, if I just think of a very simple thing, storyboard, maybe in a PowerPoint, right? Then you move into development in Rise, for example. Have you been communicating in round, just say there's three rounds of review in the storyboard, that at, at round two, when you hand it over, saying this is your, like, this is your last chance to provide feedback because the next time you see it, you'll be confirming it is ready for the world and no changes to content can be made beyond that. So you're preparing them in advance to take the review seriously, to provide you what you need to have finalized content. Then when you hand it over for the third review, you're saying, this is your last opportunity to make changes to the text, to make changes to the content. Any changes beyond this are outside of the scope and will be a variation to scope and will be quoted appropriately. Now, whether you're in-house or external, um, that doesn't matter because at the end of the time, there's still the same um, conversation you need to have to set expectations because even if you're not charging to an, another department, it's still your time. And how do you prioritize that time that is unexpected when you've got other projects that you're working on, your boss is expecting you to do them as well. So it's just um, effective stakeholder management. Now, when you get the, uh, the final content from the client you or your stakeholder, you say, this is approved content, um, we're, or we're accepting this as approved content. Ch again, changes beyond this will be a variation to scope. So that when it does, if it does happen, when they see the rise module, which is quite often what happens is it looks different from storyboard to the developed product. And then they go, oh, like doesn't really flow or like, I'm not sure about that. And they want to make changes. Well, now you go, well, remember when I've been communicating all along, this is a variation and it's not as they, they're not hit with it. So they're going, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Okay. Or they go, no, actually that change is not really that serious. So um, forget it. We don't need to make the change. We don't need the extra time or money to make that change implemented. So I'd be thinking about how final is the content? Um, yeah. And then putting a pause if it's beyond your threshold. Why do you Guns change for people like if they've reviewed a PowerPoint or something like that 10 times internally and they're like that's 100% it that's the content we want and then they see it in like actually developed like what do you I don't know if you'll be able to answer this but what do you think changes for them because to me it's like the content is still 
the same regardless of how it gets mm. played. Yeah, it it is the same words, but it is a different representation of those words. So even if we looked at the same words in a PowerPoint to a Word document, it's different. If we, um, we, we receive it differently. If we, you know how I say to you, go upload it onto Scorn Cloud or preview your screen in Storyline. Because mm -hmm. when we look at it in developer mode versus preview, we see it differently. We see it mm -hmm. through a different light. And sometimes we work on something so much that we can't see beyond what we are already just, the groove is there so much. So mm. when we put it into a different thing, we see it differently. Mm. Um, and that's what I think plays out. And a lot of the times, not everybody has the skills and it's not a problem, it's not their role to do this, to be able to associate a Word document to a visual output. So text in a Word document to a poster, text in a Word document to an e-learning course. Not everyone can see that journey and it's not their role, it's our role as learning designers or as e-learning developers to communicate that better because it's the way, I guess it's a bit of left brain, right brain. Um, mm. Not everyone, thinks visually like like you are both quite detailed people so you see things detailed but I can't see details I see visual representation so the way our brains work is different as well so mm -hmm. yeah I think that plays out as well yeah well because I was thinking about it even for myself as well like I was saying to Hannah um when we were discussing it I might create an Instagram post or something like that. And then when I see it posted, I'm like, oh, I should have, I could have written that differently or, mm. uh, but yeah, I'm just interested to know like why we, why it happens. <laughs> it does look different when it's actually done. Like, so yeah. What did you notice differently? So you're in, I was going to say Canva, you have like a little creation canvas happening, images and text. And then maybe in a Word document, you've got the caption, right? Mm. And then you put it into another program that puts the two together and then it goes live on Instagram. So when you have done the work and you're satisfied with your little design and your Word document caption to when it goes live on Instagram, what do you notice different between the two? I think it is like what you were saying, how you're in like developer mode and then, because there's no real way for us to, like preview those mm. like, like the final like you want to kind of preview it in the final format but the final format is when it goes live on yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I think it can be hard to visualize how it's yeah like where I think the photo is going to be before the text and then sometimes the text is before the photo and then it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. like you don't always know and clients wouldn't always know I guess, which, yeah, how it's going to turn out, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And that's a simplified version where it's literally text and one image. And you think about a storyboard mm. of 20 mm. slides to an e-learning module. Like, so that's very complex for people to get across. 
we're seeing a difference just in one Instagram post of text and an image. Imagine that 20 times. Mm. Um, and that's the value of user testing and prototyping, right? Like mm. if we can do a small sample, one Instagram post that we are proud of and we think looks visually beautiful and the caption works really well, we have that end result as the expectation going back to the task that you were working on previously to set the standard for the model or the framework for what you do in future. You're reverse engineering and that's what the prototype is. If we think about a smaller project, you develop a couple of screens early on using their content so that they can see. Yeah, it looks like a small paragraph on a Word document, put it onto a screen and it's like, bah! So, yeah, I think that's what that is as well. Mm. That makes sense. Thank you. Hannah, Hannah, do you have anything you want to add on that? If you think... Um, I think it's just like wondering how we could improve our process with clients that do struggle to, like, transition from the storyboard to the development stage. And, I, like, I like the prototype idea. Like, potentially that is something we could do with more clients, but yeah, I think I'm just still processing how we could make it easier for clients that do struggle to not change content in the development stage. Cause I know we were talking about yesterday, Vic, like it can take more time when you're like changing content in the development stage. Cause you're having to change blocks, like all of the formatting and the design elements you're having to update. Like there's a lot to take in when you're changing content to that extent, like 50% of content changing is actually quite time consuming for you as a developer. And then like having to QA more, like I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering what, what would work best for us and the client in a situation like that. And I think that's where that threshold decide like 50%, we don't waste your time. Like, and don't waste the client's time. Put yeah. a pause and say, it's not ready for where it needs to be. Mm. Let's, let's pause. Um, and understanding that we're dealing with human beings and every single human being is different. Mm. And we can only support them to a certain extent. And then there's going to be intricacies where one person likes to see things and is fine with a PowerPoint storyboard. The other person needs to see it in a Word document. Mm. Personal preferences. You know, I think you can't eliminate that because we're dealing with human beings. So there will be always a, an element of flexibility that you need to allow for that. And it's mm. never going to be cut off, move forward, I don't think. Um, Unless you want to be ruthless, but like, like if you, it's 10%, it's 10% because I hope one day that that grace will be given to me when it, something doesn't make sense to me or I'm not able to visualize and I need support to get the best result. Yeah. So it's time and effort and which, where is the time and effort going to happen? If you think about your risks and consequences is the time and effort of um, when you're planning your task, mm. doing it, um, with unfinished and progressing, what does the risks and consequences and that time and effort, how's that going to play out? Mm. Putting figures against them. If I wait another review cycle in the word document story, storyboard side, uh, stage phase, 
what is the time and effort and then jumping into development and having your numbers there and then going, actually, I'm going to bring development forward around and I'm actually going to allow them to review content in phase one of or round one of development. Yeah. What's yeah. the time and effort and putting time against them and then going this one, although I'm going to have to do a bit of rework, it's four hours as opposed to 12 hours yeah. based on my yeah. estimate. That's the one I'm going to choose. I think that's different for every story because it's, every um project because mm. content different way different tools different things that we're producing yeah yeah that's good thank you thank you anything else that's it for me yeah that's all for me cool what about you right. i don't have anything just yet actually one of my things i said i was gonna um process my like reflection and improvement from last week i was like i need time to think about that so just to fill in those people that may watch every single episode, <laughs> um <laughs> thank you if you do appreciate you um was we can't learn lots of things at once and we need to prioritize what we're learning Mm. and focus on that and do that well and then move on to something else um and figuring out is this an opportunity is this the right time to learn um this thing or is it the time to do it and learn from mistakes mm. and experience and then um do the learning in reverse like through the through the improvement the reflection and that so try not to focus on too many things at once to learn and just have some things that are task driven to allow you to prioritize and learn more in depth things that you have decided you do want to learn in depth so that you can do it properly so that was my yeah nice I like it all right. Well, thank you everyone for watching Studio Insights with Bell Vista Studios. That's us. Uh, we appreciate you watching this video. We'd love you to put into action um, that transfer of knowledge, you know, that you're getting from this. What are you going to improve yourself? You could improve by 1% just as a result of this video. What would that be is what I want you to reflect on and improve on. Thanks for watching. Please share it with anyone that you believe it will add value to. And we'll see you in the next episode.